Hi, everybody. I'm Jeff. I'm one of the pastors. I'm so excited because today was already so good in the first gathering, so that I'm glad that you get to be a part of it, too. It's a good day to be at church. We're going to come together. I'm just going to preach for about 15 minutes, and then we're going to, we have a really rich conversation over here as we continue to talk about the John 15 idea of vine and branches, starting with the seed and the soil and the roots and the and so forth, and, um, and, we're, and then we're going to come back and even do a little more processing. I'm going to give you a little more homework this week. Hey, kudos to 155 of you who, or 160 of you who joined the seven-day reading plan. That was super fun, and uh, to be able to do that together, we've got some other homework for you this week. Hey, I need you to be in John chapter 16, <clears throat> which, you know, even as we're kind of Anchoring ourselves in John 15 for our formational exercises during Lent, that's the season that we're in leading up to Easter, we're also going to be continuing to preach through the Word, and we're in John 16. Uh, we're going to continue onward in John, and the second half of John 16, I'm not going to have it on the screen, but we're going to need to do a little Bible study today, so I'm going to need you to have it open in front of you. So everybody grab a Bible or a, uh, a, a device that has the Bible on it, and let's turn to John 16, starting in verse 16. There's Bibles in the seats in front of you, and somebody's going to shout out a page number. 1083. 83. 1083. John 16, starting in verse 16. This was such a joy to study for this week, to be immersed in this text, because it wasn't an easy text, really, to understand. What are you trying to say here, Jesus? But, oh man, there is some truth here. There are some truths here that we have got to anchor ourselves in. To use our metaphor, there's some truths here that we ought to, this seed, God, we ought to put it in precious soil and we ought to let it grow because this is truth that will change our lives right here. And so in 14 and a half minutes, I'm going to give you three truths that are going to change your life. You ready? That's a big promise. And that's what Jesus is doing in this text. And here's the sum of the whole thing. His disciples are about to ask him, all right, look it. This whole discourse, we've been walking with you for a long time. We're in the last week of your life. We got to get really clear, like, what is going to happen when all this goes down that you're hinting at? And Jesus tells them about the results of his victory of going to the cross and rising again. Verse 16, starting in verse 16, Jesus went on to say, in a little while, you're going to see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. Jesus tells his disciples, all right, look at we're on this journey, been telling you some stuff, I'm going to disappear. And they had a sense that he was possibly going to be killed. But then he goes, but you're going to see me in a little while. What's he talking about here? He's literally talking about the resurrection. This is what Jesus is saying. He's like, look it, I'm going to die and I'm going to be raised. Ready, church? And it is going to change everything. It's going to change everything. The work that Jesus does on the cross, the victory over sin and death that he is doing on the cross, that he's about to unfold for them in more plain language, is going to change everything. He goes, once I go away, that is crucified in the grave, and then once I come back, you're going to see me in a little while, resurrection, he goes, everything is going to be different. And there's three results of the victory that Jesus accomplishes on the cross. And that's what we want to talk about. And he's going to start going through it now and give them to you. The first one is that his victory results in joy. He goes, this is how it's going to be different. Jesus, so at this point, the disciples, they're so funny. They're, they're like, 
They're like, it, it, some of them are saying to one another, what does he, he mean by saying, I'm in verse 17. What does he mean by saying, in a little while you'll see me no more, and then after a little while you'll see me, and because I'm gonna go to the Father, like what, what's he talking about? They kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. And Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, and so he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you'll see me again? He goes, here it is, very truly. You with me in verse 20? Hello, you with me in verse 20? Okay, good, I want to make sure. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief, what does it say? Will turn to joy. And he uses the analogy of a woman giving birth to a child. She has pain because her time has come. So she's in labor and her time has come. For those of you that have been pregnant know that it's not just the labor, it's the last stinking trimester. It's like it's painful and anguishing. And when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because her joy that a child is born into the world. So it is with you. Now is your time of grief and I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take your joy away. Now, He's going to go on and clarify things in a couple of the, the next two verses. But what, he's, but what he says here is he goes, look, at, you're going to, he doesn't minimize the grief, church. He goes, you're going to see me killed. You're going to see me go away from you. In a little while, I'm going to come back. But it's so easy to hear the promise that he's going to come back, that there's going to be more to the story, but it's going to feel grievous. We're going to feel his absence. This is a metaphor for us. It's not just like they were going to see him go to the cross and then be without him in three days and wonder if he was going to come back. But it's also a metaphor for he's going to go back to the Father. And by the way, we're all going to wait until he finally comes again and restores the kingdom, right? So we're living in a time when we're waiting for him to come back. And there's a time of grief. The world's rejoicing because they're like, that rebel, we're done with him. And it's also a metaphor for the fact that we live season in and season out in our life experiencing grief, wondering where the presence of God is, and wondering if he's going to come through. And in all of that, Jesus goes, my victory, the result of my victory is joy. I'm going to come through for you. And why, the big question is, how, why is this joyful? Verse, so then look at verse 23. In that day, what day? When I rise from the dead. In that day. I'm going to go away, you're not going to see me, and then you're going to see me again. In that day, everything's going to be different. He goes, you're no longer going to ask me anything. In other words, you're not going to have any more questions. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and what does it say? And your joy will be complete. Look at, here's the thing. Jesus is teaching that joy is going to come. Grief is real. Joy is going to come. But why is joy going to come? It's not just going to come because in three days they're going to see, oh, phew, he's alive. We thought he was dead. He's alive. It's because of this last section. He goes, your joy is going to be complete because you're going to be connected to the Father and anything you ask in my name will be given to you. That's the source of joy because what Jesus' death and resurrection did was restore us into a re relationship with God. 
So he's basically saying, hey, on that day, I mean, you're not going to see me for a while. And then when you do see me, everything's going to be different. You know what's going to be different? You're going to be connected to God. And so all of the healing you need is available to you. All of the power you need for transformation is available to you. All of the answers that you have about life, you're going to have leading by the Spirit of God within you. He goes, everything's going to be different. You're going to have joy. And we go, why? Because you're not dead? No. More than that, because you now get to be connected to the Father, and that's the source of joy. Because joy comes from the freedom of knowing that there's no scarcity. We don't get up in the morning and go, I, I, I wonder if I'm going to have what it takes to get through today. I wonder if I'm going to make it. I wonder if God knows my longing to have a life partner. I wonder if God knows my fear about running out of money by the end of the month. I, know, I wonder if God knows that I'm, I'm anxious at every turn of every day. Like we don't get up wondering if that's true. We have joy because there's no scarcity because we're connected to this God. That's the result of Jesus's death and resurrection. He goes, after this moment, I'm, I'm gonna go away, you're not gonna see me, but when I rise again, meaning when my work is done on the cross, what I came to do, everything's different. And one of them is, you're gonna have joy even when you shouldn't have joy. You're going to have joy because God has shown up in your life. Oh my gosh, that's amazing good news. We need that truth buried in our good soil. We need that seed to take root and grow in us so that we live every day. This is only possible because of what Jesus did on the cross. It's his victory that brought this, but it's only enacted in our lives if we live out of that truth day in and day out going, I can trust him. There's joy ahead for me, even when I'm grieving. Second truth he points out then, he goes on to talk. Not only does his victory result in joy, but his victory results in love. His victory results in, in love. So look at verse 25. So Jesus says, all right, though I've been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but I'm going to tell you plainly about my father. Let me put that in, in common language. This is what Jesus says. Jesus goes, listen, Look at, he goes, you're going to now be connected to my father uh, in the first, the paragraph above, and that's why there's going to be joy. He goes, let me tell you something about my father. Let me tell you something about this relationship with God. In that day, you will ask in my name, I'm not, I mean, I'm sorry, in that day, you will, in that day, you will ask in my name. I'm not saying that I will ask the father on your behalf. No, you're going to ask the father. The father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. You're like, wait, what is he saying? What is he saying? I know. It took me all week to just dig in here to see what he's saying. He's like, look at, on that day, you're going to have joy because you're connected to the Father. He goes, let me tell you something about the Father. He goes, you're so connected to the Father that you're not even going to ask. When you ask in my name, you're asking directly to the Father because what I've unlocked is a love relationship with God. God is delighted to be in a relationship with you. He loves you, knows who you are, has chosen you, has a life designed for you, has a day designed for you, is, is, is intimate in connecting to your heart. Like, he goes, you got to know this. This isn't just, well, I've accomplished something on the cross, and now you've got X, Y, and Z available to you. He's like, guess what? You have this father, perfect father relationship a relationship of love. He goes, you've loved me. The father loves you. 
Listen, we have to bury that truth deep in our soil. We have to let that seed take root and come up. This only is because of the relationship, or only because of the work of Christ on the cross that we sometimes go, we, this is our image of God. We got to work on this, you guys, to apply this truth, live in this truth that God is delighted to have us speak directly to him, to engage directly with our hearts, that he loves us and who we are intimate in our journey. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. Good news. Because this is what happens if we don't apply that. We sit back and we think that there's some ethereal God up in heaven who's kind of got his arms crossed going, you guys are really hard for me. Like he's like, you're, t- I'm so, I'm kind of tired of you people. Like, it's a little hard for me. Because that's how we are with people. And so we think he's up there going, well, all right, but because of what Jesus did on the cross, all right, what do you need? I mean, that's silly, right? I know this is like a set up a, a straw man argument right here that it's easy to knock down. But you search your hearts. Is there not a piece of you that lives there by default on accident? But the truth is, Jesus goes, look at when this day, on that day, when that happens, when I come back from the dead, it's all different. And one of the ways that's different is the Lord loves you and you talk to him like he's the perfect father that he is. Come on now, church, that's good news. So the victory that Jesus accomplishes is joy. The victory results as well in this love relationship with the Father. And that's something we have to live out of every day, believing it to be true. It changes everything. And third one is that his victory results in peace. His victory results in peace. You look at verse 29 now in the text. Then Jesus' disciple says, now you're speaking clearly. I love that. They're like, now you're making some sense. Without figures of speech, we get it. It's so good. They're like, verse 30, now we see that you know all things. And this is such funny language. And that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. You know what that means? He's like, they're like, we get it now. You don't have to put up with our dumb questions anymore. We get it. We understand you're from God. This is all true. Like you're going to have victory your victory results in love and in joy. And they, they go, we get it. We believe. Verse 31. And verse 31, Jesus goes, do you though? Do you believe? Because the time is coming, verse 32, and has in fact now come when you're going to be scattered, each one to your own home. You will leave me all alone. No, I'm not all alone. My father is with me. But I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And here's where he cuts to the chase. In this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. King James, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Take courage. You're going to have trouble, but I'm going to give you peace. They go, oh, we get it now. We believe. You're from God. This is amazing. And Jesus goes, do you believe? Because you're going to need to believe this deeply. Because in this world, you're going to get your butt kicked you're going to get chewed up and spit out. This world is not kind to people. It is not kind to our hearts. Tragedy happens upon tragedy. The enemy is running amok until the kingdom comes in its fullest. And your flesh continues to have you take the easy way out, to take the selfish way out, to be overcome by your weaknesses and your fears and your doubts. In this world, you will have trouble. You're gonna need to believe this truth. He said, my victory, though, is to bring peace. 
even though there's trouble. In this world, look at verse 33 again. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. He said this at the very, this is the very end of his discourse. He's now about to pray for the disciples. This is the end of him teaching them. The beginning of him teaching them is John 14, 1, a couple pages back. He says he starts it with the same thing. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. Believe in God, believe in me. Don't let your hearts be troubled. He said it halfway through the discourse in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives, but so do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He goes, you are going to get walloped, but you can still, the result of my death and resurrection is that you can have peace because I've overcome the world. I've overcome all of it. Nothing can take us out of the Father's hands. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can happen that God will not work for his glory and for our good ultimately in it. And ultimately, one day, we will be restored into an eternal relationship with him and all of this will be over. Listen, this is incredible news. Jesus goes, on that day, I'm gonna disappear. I'm gonna go to my death and it's gonna look tragic, but you're gonna see me again. When I rise again, everything's going to be different. You're going to have joy because you're connected to the Father and everything you long for is available. You're going to have love because this God is intimately involved in your life. It is a very personal walk with God. And you're going to have peace because I can handle any of the difficulties that are going to come your way. I know the end of the story and I've had victory. You know, we know the end of the story. In this world, you may have trouble. You may be grieving right now. But in the end, he offers joy and love and peace. And it overcomes. It overcomes. That's the good news. You know the end of the story. That he'll be glorified. And he'll lift you up. And, your, and good will come to you. And ultimately, that'll be fully manifested in the kingdom of God. Don't forget the last words of the Harry Potter series. And all was well. Man, if that's good enough for Harry Potter, that's good enough for those of us who put our trust in a Savior who went away for a little while, but then came back and said, it's all different now. I'm going to have the band come out and lead us in worship. Listen, church, we have got to allow those truths to sink deep in our hearts, rehearse them plant them and live out of them so that everything that comes our way every hour of every day we say oh man the result of what you've done is that I can have joy and I'm in a love relationship with God and peace is available to me as we continue in our worship, and then we're going to come to have some more conversation about this idea of soil, and then come back to some takeaways homework, may God center you on the truth that what he did for us results in everything we've ever longed for. Let's stand and worship. Well, amen and amen to that. Go ahead and grab a seat. Welcome again, everybody. My name is Ben Kearns. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And Gosh, what a, uh, I'm just overwhelmed by God's goodness and the beauty it is to come and rehearse the truth together. What an incredible 
space, you're so beautiful. The music is so incredible. Jeff crushed it, right? It was just, it's so great to come and to remind ourselves of the truth. It's so easy to forget. And every Sunday we gather to remind ourselves of the truth of the gospel. It's like when you go to the, the nursery and there's a little packet of seeds and you're like, it's this little tiny pack of seeds, but there's this beautiful flower or a beautiful tree or something. Like, look how beautiful that is. And on Sunday morning, we're saying, no, all these truths, when applied, produce good fruit. And I love, right, the truth that the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ produced incredible fruit. I don't know if you caught this, joy, love, peace, a little tricky, but Paul switched the orders up. So the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, right? Those are the fruits of the Spirit. So the seed that we rehearse, when it's worked out, results in this beautiful fruit. And that's what we do every single Sunday. But what we decided during Lent is to take a little pause in the service because there's a work that happens between the seed and the fruit. And the work is the partnership that we do. There's things that we actually do. We work in partnership with the Holy Spirit so that that seed can be planted into fertile soil. That, That seed then plants roots. That seed grows into vines and branches. It gets pruned graciously and lovingly so that we can bear fruit. And we're going to spend a little time doing that this morning. We're going to take a look at the soil, the nature and and the way of our hearts so that we are prepared to receive the truth of Christ, the seed of the gospel, so that God can fully have his way in us. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus says this, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and he was scattering the seed. Some fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell in the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. And other seeds fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, but still other seeds fell on good soil where it produced a crop of good fruit. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times that was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And that is our prayer this morning, that we would be people who have ears. So we want to take a look at our soil. So you see, before a farmer goes out and plants their seed, they have to do some work on the soil. And they actually don't even go first with their tractors and the till to, to uh, prepare the soil for the seeds. They actually have to do work ahead of time. They have to go out manually and go and remove the rocks, these big rocks that are part of the earth that we live in, but are not, that do not work for planting seeds. So they go through and they pick out all these rocks. And once all those rocks have been cleared, then they bring in the tractor to till the soil. So now the soil is soft and receptive, ready to receive the seed, ready to receive the nutrients in the soil, ready to receive all of the goodness of the way God made creation. In the same way, we have these hearts. Our hearts are hard. Our hearts are, are all jumbled up. And we actually partner with the Holy Spirit to do some work to remove these rocks and till the soil. And there's two spiritual practices that we're going to do. One, we're going to do as a church. And the second, Jeff's going to tell us about the end of the service, which is going to be a little homework for us. But since we're here and we have a captive audience and you're here at church, we're going to take away these rocks. Good old-fashioned church would call that sin and confession of sin. You see, sin is the thing that it, it calluses our heart. It makes our heart hard. And because of Jesus' work on the cross, we, without shame, without guilt, get to come and offer our sins to Christ. He takes those sins and obliterates them because of his work on the cross. And then we till that soil. 
So what I would have did is I invited some friends, some risky friends who are going to model this confession for us. I want to invite up Emily and Brendan and Nancy, who we're going to have a little conversation around our sin and confession for you guys to, to model and then to practice. I know they didn't even know they could say no. Good job, you guys. It's true. Normally when you get invited by a pastor sitting on the couch, it's super warm, fuzzy, and this is so great. And, uh, and I've asked you guys to do some heavy lifting with us. And so uh, what I thought we'd do is um, I have some rocks here. I'm going to pull out a rock. And uh, if that rock is your sin and that you're ready to remove out or want to continue to partner with the Holy Spirit to take out, you'll tell us a little bit about it, okay? All right. So first up, we have resentment. And I think that's yours, Brendan, right? That's mine. Yeah. So I, I think um, most of our friends here that, that know my wife and I, Tinley, know that we're both family medicine physicians and that we see patients in the office 15 minutes at a time and hopefully not more than 15 minutes, but uh, oftentimes they, they, they see a face, they, they see us, we smile, we talk back and forth and then that's it for the rest of the year. I don't see them anymore. Um, but beyond that 15 minutes, they don't, they don't know me. They don't know what goes uh, behind closed doors, they don't know my anger, my resentment, uh, resentment towards friends and family and uh, things that people do or people, things that people don't do. So, and I just harbor that. And I, I recognize that that's sinful and that's not pleasing towards God and I need to uh, find a way to obliterate it. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that uh, God is here to help me along the way with that. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for sharing that, Brendan. I mean, all the rest of us, we just go to doctors and we just get our 15 minutes and have no idea all that's going on. And so what a good reminder that you're a human being. And what's incredible about resentment, right? It causes our heart to get calloused and then we actually don't see people back. And I mean, the whole reason you went into medicine was because your heart for people and to care for them and to bring healing and health. And so... I love that you want to work on getting that resentment out so you can be all of, that God made you to be in your industry. So thanks, Brendan, for sharing that. Thanks, Ben. All right, next up we have control. And I think that's you, Miss Emily. Yes, that's me. Um. I know. It's okay. You'd think I'd done it once before I could get it together this time. Um, that would be me. Yeah, control. Um, that idea of releasing that to the Lord, um, that he has whatever that thing is, whether it's your job, whether that's your story, whether that's um, just the things that you hold on to. And I think that idea of open-handing it over to the Lord is hard, and it is a constant battle for me to surrender that and to um, relinquish what that looks like and... Um, yeah, and to just be used by his kingdom, whatever it looks like, even if it's something that I'm uncomfortable with, that I am choosing to let him control my life instead of me control my life. Yeah, thank you for sharing that, Emily. What I love is, um, those are little snaps for you, it's so good, is that, that you are, I mean, you're really good at controlling things. I mean, one of the best I know, and you make everything beautiful and you work really hard, and uh, people who actually don't wrestle with that and give that to the Lord end up having a really hard heart, white knuckling every single thing. And in some sense, I actually want to push back because I think that rock isn't actually totally you 
anymore. It's a memory of the kind of person you were and the work that you have been doing. I mean, here you are weepy because you're so soft-hearted giving this over and over to God. And so thank you for sharing that in your story with us. And I love that you're in process being a change person. So thank you for that. All right. All right, next up. All right, Nancy, this one's yours. Tax embezzlement. Oh, I'm sorry, wrong one. No, I'm just seizing. I'm seizing. I'm seizing. <laughs> worry is, 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 is yours. Great, now I have to worry about that. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. No, I have worry. And it's one of those acceptable sins, right? Where you say to your friend, oh, I'm really worried about this today. Um, but it really can take over. And I said at the first service that I worried this morning that my shoes were too big and make my feet look big. And then I tripped on the way back to my seat. So I'm accepting that I have big feet, not worried about that anymore. So I feel like that's, I'm getting there. Um, but you know, Worry for me becomes, it snowballs. And you know, I worry about getting to work in the morning safely and not getting a flat tire on my bike. I worry about the kids I work with. I work at uh, Archie Williams, used to be Drake High School. And I work with kids that I worry about their safety. They're on the edge and, um, and I worry about my family of origin. You know, we're kind of, we're all getting up there. I'm the youngest of four. Um, and then I worry about my kids. I have two adult kids that our relationship isn't great, and I worry about that. But as I worry, I realize I, I'm just not, I'm not doing, I'm not doing those, I don't have peace. I, I, I can't be loving if I'm in that space. And especially, I can't have joy. And joy, I feel, is a real gift from God to me. Um, and when I'm joyful, I am God's kid. And I can be that to other people. So I have a, God has been supernatural in my life with this because every morning I just, it's a discipline to say, God, you've got this. Um, but when I really rest in that, you know, life is good despite circumstances, despite all this. So, Thanks for sharing that, Nancy. Yeah, I mean, sure. it's so true that there's so many things that we can worry about. And I love that, right, when we rehearse the truth and if we rehearse our worry, it just adds and compounds our anxiety but scripture doesn't say we can't worry. We're supposed to cast all of our cares on Christ because he cares for us. And then we rehearse that truth and that's where we find joy and love and peace. And, and I love that God's right. He, he used your big heart to love and care for so many people. And, uh, and then the enemy can come in and twist that. So we want to make sure we're always maximizing the huge gift that God has given you. And I love the way that you love so many people so well. So thank you, Nancy. Well, I almost dodged the bullet, but I, we have enough time this hour. And so I'm going to share mine as well. And um, I picked um, comfort for mine. And what I realized is I've always used um, pretty much anything to, to make sure that I don't have to feel discomfort. Um, I don't like being in pain. I don't like being bored. I don't like challenging things. I want to avoid as much as possible. And so for a long time, use food because um, that feels so good. Um, and then when I get my food all under control, then I'm like, oh, I'm going to use my phone so I can just be distracted and, and, and avoid things. And then I say, well, I'm not going to use this app. And then all of a sudden, I said one of my uh, Lent practices was to give up an app. And so I'm not using that app at all. And I found a new app that consumed all day yesterday. And so just convicted, like, but I realized the root of that is that I just, I have an idol around comfort. I love being, um, yeah, comfort. And I miss out all that God has for us. And Ephesians 
chapter 5, it talks about, right, that we don't get drunk with wine. We don't use all these different sins to cope, but we actually sit in the challenge to make space for the Holy Spirit to have his way with us. And I really appreciate each of you guys sharing a little bit of your journey and story. Um, And that really is what we're going to invite you to do, that um, in front of you is a little rock. And we all have these little rocks in our lives that we want to confess, and we get to do that freely. And over this next song, I want to invite you to to spend some time thinking and reflecting, what are the things, what are the sins, what are the idols, what are the things that you are holding on to that's actually keeping your heart from being soft towards the movement of the Holy Spirit? And what's crazy is if you ask, the Holy Spirit always answers that prayer. And to write that down on a little rock, and part of the spiritual formation practice is that we confess that sin to Christ, and he forgives us fully. And when those rocks are all removed, excuse me, that's when the good work happens. That's when the spiritual practice of tilling happens so that our hearts remain soft for the work of the Holy Spirit. So over this next song, I invite you to write down on a rock. You're gonna come forward and you're gonna place your rocks along with our first gathering's rocks. Also, if you have an offering, uh, you can put that in the baskets in front of you. Or if you have a prayer offering that you'd like our prayer team and staff and pastors to be praying alongside of you, would love for you to write a little prayer down and put that in the basket as well. As we stand together in worship, may this song remind us of the good news of Christ. and May we continue to be transformed and whole people, ultimately bearing good fruit for his kingdom. Amen. Let's stand together.